the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And one of the reasons that Christians are generous is because we recognize that we are merely stewards of whatever God has given to us in this world. And the better we steward the things that God has given us in this world, the better the rewards are in the world to come. He's going to reward us for being good stewards. Welcome to the Friday edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. I'm Mike Trout. Pastor Leighton is continuing with part two of a short series on our priorities. You know, this time of year is so often a time of beginnings for a church, also for families as the summer ends and uh, children are back in school. What are your priorities? What do you use as a guideline? With answers to those questions and more, here's Pastor Layton. The paradigm of non-believers is entirely different. They don't think of themselves as stewards. They think of themselves as owners. And they don't think of another world that is to come or another life that's to come. It's all about this life and so forth. And so they tend to accumulate as much as they can, as quickly as they can, and they don't seem to be generous. If they are generous, it's oftentimes for an ulterior motive, such as to gain prestige or something like that. So one of the things that identifies true Christians is that they are fundamentally generous. Now, Another thing that they were devoted to was to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper. The words here are literally the breaking of bread. And we hear those words, we think first in terms of communion, and it is used in that sense in the Scriptures in several places, but it's also used in Scripture to describe a regular meal as well. Now, I think this is important for us to understand because we, in this generation of Christians, in Western civilization, America, however you want to say, we tend to distinguish and even compartmentalize what is sacred from what is common. We have a portion of our service that we call the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist uh, or communion. Those, those are three names of the same thing. And uh, we, we distinguish that from regular meals. The first church, when they got together for regular meals, a portion of it was communion. And when they got together for communion, it was a regular meal. In fact, um, when, you have, when you read the instructions concerning the communion, the Lord's Supper, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, we usually start at verse 23. But the instructions actually start at verse 17. And in verse 17 and the verses that follow, Paul is reprimanding the believers because they come and they're not really celebrating the Lord's Supper because some people feast and other people go away hungry. And instead of sharing things in common, and he tells us to tarry, he tells us to care for one another. So in their paradigm, they had their communion and their meals and, and, and vice versa. They had uh, formal times of worship in the temple. They also broke bread in their homes as well. And uh, so they had both formal and informal times of worship. You know, when we come uh, to the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus has made to save us from our sin and from its consequences. We're reminded 
that every one of us comes to God through Christ by grace through faith. And there is no room for any arrogance. The same price was paid for the redemption of every one of us. Sin requires death. Jesus had to die on Calvary's cross to pay for our sin. Disobedience is sin. God's kingdom is a kingdom of obedience. Obedience displaces disobedience. And when we pray, as we were told to pray by Jesus, thy kingdom come, we are praying for the displacement of disobedience, not only in this world, but also in our own lives as well. The scriptures say when we come together to partake in the Lord's Supper, we should examine ourselves. And when we examine ourselves, what we're asking the Holy Spirit to do is to reveal to us things in our life, in our thoughts and in our words, in our deeds that are displeasing to God, that are sinful so that we can confess our sin and receive his forgiveness and his cleansing. Those early believers devoted themselves to the communion. And they partook regularly, like daily, not just on Sundays. And, and they, when they got together over a meal, they reminded each other of the price that Jesus paid for their salvation. This is something, by the way, that oftentimes happens in our growth groups as well. They'll oftentimes get together for meals and they'll remind each other of the grace that, that uh, they have shared together in Christ. And sometimes they'll have a time of communion as well. Now, the fourth thing that they devoted themselves to is prayer. And prayer is simply communication with God. You know, some people think of prayer is letting God know what we need, uh, informing God of what we need. Jesus said, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So the purpose of prayer is not to inform God of what we need, but to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we are dependent upon our heavenly father. That's a function of prayer. And when we come to him, he hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. You see, love, God loves to give good gifts. He loves to be asked. He, he loves to be trusted. Wayne Grudem wrote, God wants us to pray because prayer expresses our trust in God and is a means whereby our trust in him can increase. In fact, perhaps the primary emphasis of the Bible's teaching on prayer is that we are to pray with faith, which means trust or dependence on God. God as our creator delights in being trusted by us as his creatures. For an attitude of dependence is most appropriate to the creator-creature relationship. Praying in humble dependence also indicates that we are genuinely convinced of God's wisdom, love, goodness, and power, indeed all of the attributes that make up his excellent character. It is only natural that God would delight in such activity and place much emphasis on it in his relationship with us. But God does not only want us to trust him, he also wants us to love him and have fellowship with him. This then is the second reason why God wants us to pray. Prayer brings us into deeper fellowship with God, and he loves us and delights in our fellowship with him. A third reason God wants us to pray is that in prayer, God allows us as creatures to be involved in activities that are eternally important. When we pray, the work of the kingdom is advanced. In this way, prayer gives us the opportunity to be involved in a significant way in the work of the kingdom and thus give expression to our greatness as creatures made in God's image. Wayne Grudem, to not pray is the equivalent of not trusting God. 
or not acknowledging our dependence upon him. In effect, we're saying, I don't need you, God. And by extension, you can go away anytime, please. It's important that we pray daily and often. I can remember my Sunday school teachers saying things like prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. James 4.2 says, you do not have because you do not ask. So according to James, we don't have because we don't ask. We don't pray. And if we were to ask, if we were to pray, we would receive. And if we received, something would change. So prayer would result in change. God's word teaches that prayer changes things. Jesus said in Luke 11, 9 and 10, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. So Jesus makes a clear connection between seeking, asking, and receiving from God. Now, some of the promises that God has and some of the invitations to pray begin with the word if. They are if-then conditional statements. If we do this, then God will do that. For example, the Apostle John wrote in 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The invitation begins with the word if. It's a conditional statement. If we confess, then he will forgive and cleanse. The action that we take in prayer results in God doing something that changes the circumstances. Prayer changes things. Another passage with a, an if statement is found in Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So according to the scriptures, there is something that you and I can do that will affect the future of our land, of our nation. If we were called by God's name, we'll do what we're supposed to do, repent from wicked ways, God will forgive us and heal our land. And I think we can all agree that our land is in desperate need of healing. Amen? Prayer changes things. This is a theme that is repeated uh, throughout Scripture. And if we were really convinced that prayer changes things, then we'd pray a lot more than we do. If we pray little, it's probably because we see little value in prayer. We're, in effect, calling God a liar. Prayer characterized those early believers, and it needs to characterize us as well. And in order for us to have those times of prayer, we need to, to be proactive and intentional in taking our life, which is measured in a, in a schedule, taking our schedule and putting into our schedule times of prayer and being devoted to those times of prayer and not allowing the distractions of this world to keep us from praying. Jesus said in John 14, 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He also said in John 16, verse 23, Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Ask. He invites us to ask. Now, I think it's important for us to understand that when he asks us to Pray in his name. 
that those words are not like some kind of a magical formula, like abracadabra. Some of us, you know, may think that, you know, if I just say something and I stick these words on it, that's like, you know, uh, make it happen or something like that. Um, to come in the name of someone means that the other person has authorized us to come in their authority, not on our own. And we have been invited to come in the authority of Christ Jesus. You're listening to an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely, and we'll wrap up this very short series on Monday. I hope you can join us for that. If you've missed any of the broadcasts, uh, any of our broadcasts, actually, you can find them on the website studyversebyverse.com. This is a nonprofit outreach of the church, and we would appreciate your participation. If you are blessed and encouraged and edified by what you hear and would like to become a part of this broadcast ministry, you can uh, do that when you uh, go to the website studyversebyverse.com. There is an option there to contribute to the ministry. I'm Mike Trout, hoping that you have a wonderful weekend. If you'd like to uh, join the congregation at Church of the Highlands, check out all of the details regarding the church at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We'll be back on Monday. Join us if you can when we'll open the Word of God and study verse by verse. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.